1: I didn't call.
3: I didn't respond. I was in darkness, a postnatal hole that I couldn't see out of. I was operating online like a caricature of myself, just so detached from the emptiness of my offline world. There were times when I didn't want to be here. I shut down and in turn I shut off from those I loved. I shut off from you. Friends started to distance themselves because I just couldn't find the words to explain the blankness. I couldn't WhatsApp the pain. I came across as being above myself, too busy to care, perhaps. But the truth was, I was just drowning and no one could hear my screaming underwater.
2: But you heard it. Welcome to Love Letter to My Friend, the podcast where friends write and share letters of love and thanks with each other. Hosted by me,
4: Lisa Smazarski. And her friend, Alex Walker. Today we're joined by author, podcaster, journalist, radio presenter, and flexible working campaigner, Anna Whitehouse, aka Mother Pucker, who will be writing and reading a letter to her friend, Natalie Lee, better known to many as Style Me Sunday, a former midwife turned fashion blogger. Anna and Natalie met in 2015, first connected by their work. But over the following years, their mutual professional admiration for each other turned into a candid, honest and what looks likely to be a lifelong friendship in which they've supported one another through their hardest times. Two years ago, before Anna was diagnosed with postnatal depression following the birth of her second child, it was Natalie that, in Anna's words, saved her life, who managed to cut through her depression, take her hand and help her find a way out when she felt like she was drowning. In return, Natalie has been on her own journey of self-discovery, of sharing her own vulnerability and challenges, thanks to her friendship with Anna. Today, they're joining us to share how their friendship also became their lifelines. Anna and Natalie thank you so much for joining us today. How are you both?
3: Oh, it's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited. Uh are you excited or are you nervous, Natalie? A bit of both actually. Yeah, a bit of both. I have no idea what's coming, so yeah, I'm a bit anxious about that. <laughs> yeah.
3: You have to think quite carefully about how you do this too. Who can deal with shock? <laughs> 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 you know, like could be the beginning of something even more beautiful or the end of (laughs) (laughs) something.
2: Yeah, exactly. I've got some home truths. That's what my letter is to you. No, uh, we've had a sneak peek of the letter and it is very lovely. Anna, how are you feeling about reading it out today?
3: I think the thing is, so Natalie's probably the last person I ever imagined reading this out to. I think that sounds a weird thing to say, but when we first met, I was like, she's no so cool. <laughs> and um, I don't know, like, I think uh, we've gone through so much. We've got our own groups of friends. I wouldn't say that, you know, like, we have known each other for years. We're not childhood friends. You know, there's not that longevity. But there has been something quite, I think the word is magical, that's happened over the last two years, where I think quite simply have just fallen in love with another woman uh, as a friend.
2: Oh, yeah.
3: I think lockdown has really locked down our friendship.
2: <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Well, I think I, I think that is quite interesting. And that's that was the reason Alex and I started this in the first place, was that we were stuck in lockdown. We were lucky enough to live near each other. So we were chatting all the time. But we were missing all of our friends and we were feeling the gaps in our lives, whilst also really appreciating each other I think so you know it has been a really I guess it's put a magnifying glass on our friendships hasn't it this period in time
3: Mm -hmm. I moved about 100 metres from Nat's door (laughs) in lockdown so uh, a restraining
2: order yeah I was going to say she basically had no choice that's (coughs) where we're at here (laughs) (laughs) all right then Anna we're going to ask you to read your letter to Natalie then right okay
3: dear Nat It was the bottom of the escalator at Bank tube station. I found a hair in my fish finger sandwich (laughs) that I was drunkenly eating. And I remember you retching in solidarity as I pulled out a brown strand. I'm blonde. I was a state, one heel broken, mayonnaise dripping, choking on someone else's follicle. You immediately made me feel like I could be myself. Whatever state I come in, whatever state people come in, they can be themselves around you. You do that to everyone around you. Friends, sisters, the woman on the 66 bus to Leighton. You anchor people. You care deeply about people. You wretch in solidarity with people. I'd heard uh, you laugh before, but I hadn't heard the full grottiness of your laugh until that point. That sort of guttural, soul-lifting sound as I coughed up a sandwich like a cat with a furball. A laugh that makes anyone in its vicinity feel warm, loved, wrapped up. A laugh that rises through your face, through your eyes, and rips through the room at speed. You laughed when my dad awkwardly said, well, yes, she's a very attractive lady, isn't she, <laughs> about you. We cringed. You laughed when I left your house at 4am in a kid seat, arse overhanging on our friend Misty's bike, and I survived. But there's no fucking around either with you. Do no harm, take no shit. I've never heard you gossip or bitch, and I've equally never seen you let someone get away with a lie or dishonesty. Despite calling inanimate objects, and sometimes yourself a cunt, <laughs> you are a deeply good person. I, I disappeared. I was gone for a long time. I didn't call. I didn't respond. I was in darkness, a postnatal hole that I couldn't see out of. I was operating online like a caricature of myself, just so detached from the emptiness of my offline world. There were times when I didn't want to be here. I shut down and in turn I shut off from those I loved. I shut off from you. Friends started to distance themselves because I just couldn't find the words to explain the blankness. I couldn't WhatsApp the pain. I came across as being above myself, too busy to care, perhaps. But the truth was, I was just drowning and no one could hear my screaming underwater. But you heard it. We were washing our hands in the toilet at an event. (laughs) People were laughing. Music was loud. Everyone was having an amazing time. It was your night. You'd launched a huge project. and We were all there to celebrate you. Everyone wanted a piece of you. And on that night, you gave yourself to me. You touched my shoulder as we looked in the mirror and asked, are you okay? What's going on? A simple question. And what was left of the mask I had on crumbled and I broke down, guttural sobs, black tears falling onto your rainbow dress the emptiness seeping out, and you took me into a cubicle and you held me. You held me as I fell apart. In that moment, I could honestly say you saved me. You held my hand that night, you didn't let go. My mascara smudged across my face, my mask slipped on your night. That was two years ago, and you haven't let my hand go since. We've become neighbors. We've gone from big nights out in sequins to smaller nights in, in stained onesies. We've sat up in the early hours like two old dears putting the world to rights over an MS porn style martini with a token dinner of ridged, ready salted crisps. I've fallen in love with you, Nat, as a friend, as a woman, as a sister. Meeting the twin girls was pretty amazing. As a mother, and as just one of the most genuine humans I've come across. Like them, I felt protected, safe challenged by you absolutely challenged (laughs) like if I fell off the trapeze your safety net is there and mine's there for you too and I'm so proud of you God I am so proud of you your fierceness your brutal honesty the way you are with your daughters your youngest bedroom a kaleidoscopic hub of creativity just overflowing from mother to daughter you've Given her the freedom to be herself, whether that's a hollering activist or an LOL (laughs) doll. You can be either, (laughs) and you've given her that confidence. But I think the thing I'm proudest of with you is that you've learned to fall apart, like I did. That the biggest achievement isn't in a glossy magazine uh, or a well deserved shiny accolade, that it's not in a bank account or an impressive title or book deal. It's that you've learned to be vulnerable, to let others hold your hand too and soak up your black tears. Stepping out of the embers of divorce and into a diagnosis for ADHD has been painfully brutal on so many levels, but you faced it head on, Friday finger flicked at times. You stood there, shattered in many pieces, staring in the mirror at a new woman who doesn't have to pick up the pieces alone. I'm so proud to know that woman. I asked you in lockdown when you felt you stopped being a child when you said four. I was 14 when my childhood shifted into adulthood. I had a decade of innocence and playfulness that you didn't, a decade more freedom. You had to look after your sisters at that age. Your childhood was short-lived as you fast learned to hold others together to make others feel safe. I want you to know that you are safe, so safe. Because I will always save you in the way you saved me. Like the story I always bang on about, the one that makes you roll your eyes because I've repeated it so many times. You know the one, Derek West, the UK's oldest fisherman, who said in a newspaper article in the Whitstable Gazette that his wife wasn't the only love of his life. The loves of his life were the fishermen he fished with in Whitstable. Because when he fell overboard, they too would be there to haul him back on board to save him. I'm so glad we get to save each other, That, whether from painful darkness, shattered confidence or a rogue hair in a fish finger sandwich. I love you. (laughs) I love Anna.
1: I love you too. That was so (laughs) beautiful. (laughs) Oh, I just loved that. That was, that was, was, that's probably the most wonderful thing I've (laughs) ever had with me. (laughs) Thank you.
3: Oh my word. This is like therapy. (laughs)
2: yeah
1: that was good that was good you got me
2: there (laughs) you basically got four crying women on a podcast together how lovely I don't know why. I don't know why that got me so much. <laughs> oh god, Anna, that is just the most unbelievably powerful letter. And and I have to say, I think your letter, a bit like your friendship, covers the whole spectrum of emotions, doesn't it? Because like the absolute joy and adulation of one another through to the heartbreaking moments of
1: saving one another. I mean, it's so reflective of your friendship. It is. I think it's really rare that you have a friend that you can be brutally honest with that doesn't turn around and tell you to fuck off. (laughs) I think that's the beauty of it. That is one of the most special things. And I am so brutally honest, um, which is sometimes quite difficult to take. I guess it's almost like a test unconsciously. It's like, can you take this? If you can take this, then we're like friends for life. Otherwise, I can't handle not having that honesty, not having that relationship where if I think you have said something to hurt another person or you've done something to hurt me, I'm going to tell you. I'm probably
2: not going to sugarcoat it when I tell you. There's no, there's no sugar. <laughs> that
4: is becoming apparent. No sugar. Um, all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'm
2: getting that vibe, yeah. I think you come across as the best person, I've got to be honest. It's like you're just like an absolute bloody hero, I have to say. There's so much that I want to talk about in your letter. But let's go back to when you first met, because you mentioned it's a recent friendship
1: where did you first meet and how did
2: you get to know each other
1: I think it was at an event that I put on yeah and you turned up freshly over the boat from Amsterdam I thought you were really cool you had these (laughs) really like thick rimmed glasses on you know that kind of geek chic kind of coolness and you were very interested and intelligent and engaged I thought you were the coolest thing ever
3: and this is what's so mad about women, isn't it? That you constantly just thinking, oh, I'm not yeah, good enough. Yeah, yeah. And then you actually realize you're both just a little bit geeky underneath, and you just love really hard <laughs> beneath the kind of amazing headscarves and yeah. the thick rimmed glasses. I remember seeing her at her event going to the people that weren't talking to others. And I think that's something in terms of my benchmarks and friendship is how comfortable does somebody make the person who feels the least comfortable in the room. I remember seeing that, stopping almost conversations with people she knew really well, to go and make
1: somebody who just walked in feel incredibly comfortable. Because I have, without actually labelling it, always suffered with social anxiety. And I know how difficult it is to walk into a room of people you don't know. It's excruciating often taken out my phone pretended that someone was calling me (laughs) just so that I don't have to go up (laughs) no so I know how that feels so I want to if I feel comfortable in a space I want to try and make other people feel comfortable because I hate that slowly dying inside when you're just like please someone someone fucking talk to me
3: (laughs) have you i think that's really funny because i definitely at times had fake conversations it gets really
2: dark and you live in fear that your phone might ring mid fake (laughs) conversation this is the first time you met had you Mm. chatted to each other online before or was this literally the first time you had come across each other
3: in person We had sort of slid into each other's DMs and I knew who she was. I remember feeling like that's someone, the energy there, I think more than anything, even through Instagram, even that 2D flat sphere. I remember just thinking there's an energy there that I'm really attracted to. And I just said, I'm going to make an effort to get this event. I remember it was childcare and all the other things. There were so many reasons why I couldn't have made it. And I think when you don't that energy you find reasons not to go I made every effort to go and that's where it really began I think and I wouldn't say you know we didn't become close friends we just knew each other and we're in the same kind of world I suppose for a bit and then I think we started to get to see each other more and more but again it wasn't until probably two years Mm. ago that we really got to know each other.
2: What changed then? Why did that happen? I think she stalked and moved down the road.
1: <laughs> started following her around. I yeah. imagine you had to buy curtains <laughs> for the back windows now. put <laughs> binoculars out every evening. Um, I think it was in both of us being a little bit broken. I think that's where the friendship really blossomed. Both of us recognising something in each other, calling it out, talking really honestly about what we're seeing, you know, there have been times when I've been really worried about you and lots of people have and lots of discussions have been going on behind the scenes that haven't been done to your face, which everyone experiences. But I I told you that these discussions were happening, so, you know, let's talk about it, what's going on. And that definitely brought us together because you could have easily gone, oh, no, you're a fucking bitch, I don't want to see you again. <laughs> And I can't believe that this is happening, but you didn't. You broke down and you were just honest and you didn't have to be. And that was where it really, it really started to bond, wasn't mm. it?
4: What was it about Nat that you felt that you could break down with her? I think it's easy to make assumptions about people.
3: When you get depressed, you retreat, you you step down and you stop engaging with people and that can be misinterpreted and I get why that's misinterpreted that people can think you are uncaring or like I said in the letter you're above yourself or you think you're something that you're not and I retreated so significantly that I think it was hard for people to compute bear in mind I was operating online going to work almost a lot of depressives go to work they have to make money for the mortgage but no one could really equate the woman tap dancing around in the pixels to make money for a family with a woman who was broken. But Nat was the only person who broke through that and just said, this doesn't make sense to me. And this is where she, her brutal honesty started. Is she broke me into many pieces because I was holding on at that point. To someone that wasn't there, I was clinging to something. And she basically pulled me back from that hit me with the brutal honesty. And I think I just fell apart. I've held on and I've been controlled my whole life. And there was this woman who I didn't know hugely well at that point who let me fall apart in front of her. That's what shifted. She looked me in the eye and it was just another human caring for another human and not wanting to just Mm. slag her off behind her back Mm. and go, okay, what is actually the problem here? And that was the beginning of me getting significant help to get better.
2: Anna, do you think it was easier to talk to someone who didn't know you so well, who you didn't have a preconceived idea of who you was? Did her newness and your new friendship help, or was it just more about the candour that Nat had?
3: I think it was a combination of the two, but yeah, it hit me unawares. I knew what I had to do, lipstick on, eyeliner on, hold it together, breathe in, tits up, we'll walk into the room, pretend that you're happy, go home, cry. It was on the peak for the best part of a year yeah. and a half. Yeah. You know, I had a young baby. I was postnatally depressed. I wasn't prepared for that question.
2: And that was the problem, yeah. like sledgehammer to my um, fake villain. What do you think would have happened if she hadn't have asked? I can't.
1: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
0: Sorry.
1: I think it is about, you know, when you do have those moments where you break down and you are vulnerable, it's a real leap of faith in somebody, isn't it? And I think if that person in turn makes you feel safe, makes you feel held, that cements the relationship. And I think that was what happened. I didn't judge. I just held her hand. I just got a lot of mascara yeah. on my clothes. out <coughs> well, for
3: a cocktail with her and have
2: a laugh. Like, I'm literally, like, always
1: like this. <laughs>
2: We've all been there. We've all been there. I mean, the figured you have got a particular look that suggests that there's quite a lot of eyeliner going on
1: there,
2: right Anna. <laughs> it's interesting, actually, because I have another friend who found her... I guess, her soulmate through a traumatic incident. They both were going through something. They both could empathize with one another. The situations were different. But I think there's something in that shared experience in finding someone who knows you, who can feel what you're feeling in a way that perhaps someone else can't, who isn't able to. Yeah, I think
1: so. And I think Anna was really taught me a lot of, about being vulnerable too because yeah. I'm a very you know together well on the outside <laughs> together you know very much a caretaker of other people very much propping everyone up and feeling like I've got my shit together all the time and actually I often haven't I definitely haven't always got my shit together and I and She's allowed me to lean on other people. If she can do it, then why can't I? That has been a revelation in the last couple of years for me. Going to therapy, we talk about therapy a lot. And Mm. I've just never been able to open like I have. So I think that is massively down to our friendship and how vulnerable she's shown me that it's actually okay. People are going to hold you. And you're going to start feeling better. You're going to grow from this. And that's that's really important to know because I thought it was a sign of weakness.
2: Yeah. I think we're taught to, though, aren't we? We're just taught to put brave faces on so often. And obviously for you now, I mean, what really comes across is your role as a carer in your family and you become that person at such a young age of course it's like that's your identity isn't it i'm the carer i look after people so being allowed to be vulnerable and broken with someone is quite a gift i suppose
1: yeah really like it's it's hard i find it extremely hard but in lockdown and things we didn't lean on our friends then i think God, I would be probably locked up in a psychiatric ward at the moment <laughs> because they have been my saviours.
3: Mm.
1: They really have.
3: What Matt was saying about the strength and the weakness, I think that's probably the biggest point. We've learned that strength is not in standing up on a stage delivering a speech, or it's not turning up to a party and looking incredible and mm. being together. It's the strength. I think we've just seen in each other in falling apart together. With our friends being open, I think mm. that's the biggest achievement. We both turned 40. And we both thought, oh, you know, by 40 I'll have done this and I'll have <laughs> done this and I'll be the successful businesswoman. And actually the biggest thing I'm proudest of is having <laughs> broken down and being open about that because it's given me the strongest
1: relationships in turn. Me too. You redefine what success means. When you're younger, you do think Mm -hmm. it's about how much money you make, having a family, having a big house. And now it's about how many tears can I cry on the shoulder of my friend?
2: (laughs) (laughs) A few. A few. A few. I'm feeling a few. Yeah. Understanding this about you both in this journey you've been on, I can sort of equate it to the personas that we've seen online, I suppose. And I think you're both very candid, you're authentic and you kind of share the bads, not the good. But is that been as part of this, as you've learned to sort of share with each other, you felt you could give that to a broader audience?
1: me I have always used my online presence as a form of therapy it's definitely without really knowing or sort of understanding it once I have processed something I then talk about it I mean that has come with a little bit of experience I definitely used to talk about it before I processed it which wasn't always helpful (laughs) because that just has repercussions that you're not really prepared for. <laughs> I felt like I was at a place where I can speak about things yeah. and possibly help other people. I'm a very big believer in thinking that secrecy enables shame to manifest my alopecia. That can be putting on weight, that can be ADHD diagnosis mm. in order to not feel ashamed about things I speak about them and there's so many things that we are used to internalizing and things that can bring us shame that I just don't want to have that anymore I don't want to have that on me that's what I do I think with my online presence
2: well I mean it's incredibly powerful and I can't even begin to imagine how much that helps people in terms of normalizing how they are feeling There's a question that I've been thinking about because obviously a very new friendship formed under very intense circumstances actually and I guess your proximity to one another as well sort of add to this but obviously you are just a unit together you are just so close how has that worked with your other friends how does that fit into your sphere of friends has that taken over is that sat alongside your other friendships?
3: funny because i was saying to matt my husband when you asked me to do this i am i have some incredible friends i've had friends i've known from school for a very long time i've had friends from university and you know i think we have friends through longevity and a lot of people i could have written this letter to but amongst all of that that kept coming to the surface and i kept questioning like but i haven't known her the longest you know like she wasn't at my wedding But she's not my best friend. She's a woman I know will always be in my heart. And there's room for all women in my heart. But I know now, having met Nat, that I've learned what I need from friendships. You know, I said in that Derek West uh, fisherman example that my husband and I recognize we might not be together forever. You know, we might not be our one and only forever. You don't know. But I do know that with Nat. I do know it's till death do us part. There is no expectation of responses or yep. what's that. There is mm. a simplicity and there is a deep-rooted
4: love. It is anchored and it is unmoving. That's the brilliance of friendship, I think, though. Relationships, we celebrate them all the time, but actually we don't know they're forever. But with friendships, we don't have to put the same amount of time and effort always into them, but they are forever and that should be celebrated just yeah. as much.
3: It's just a very simple connection that I am going to hold on to like mm. a little barnacle or rock uh, <laughs> until the day both <laughs> pass away.
2: Our porn star martinis in hand <laughs> in a care home. Do you know what the line that I wrote down? Well, there's quite a few amazing lines in your letter actually, but one that I wrote down that really sort of struck me was, "You gave yourself to me." But that actually makes me want to cry as I'm saying that out loud, but. When you heard that, Nat, what did you
1: think? Is that how it felt? No, not at all. I mean, I just see someone in front of me and I open up my arms and I cradle them. That's exactly what just comes naturally. It was literally just being there, Mm -hmm. you know, that's all it was really. There was no motive or there was no thought. I think don't underestimate the rarity of that.
3: I think it comes very naturally to you, but I don't think it comes naturally to everyone to sit in the hole, yeah, get into the darkness and go, I've seen you look a little bit lost down here. What's going on? Should we turn the lights on instead of going, I'm going to look
4: down in that hole. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to assume things that are going down in that hole. You said that was happening as well at the time that lots of people were commenting that clearly you weren't well, but she was the only person who really challenged that you weren't well.
3: In the brutally honest way that she will always challenge anyone. She continues to do it. She slides into my WhatsApp <laughs> and then we go, You were right on that bit, but you were also wrong yeah. on that bit. Yeah. And that is the glory of this, is that the and I'm from Holland, and in Holland they're so direct. You know, like when I first started out there, they were like, this copy that I'd written, they're like, it's shit, Anna. Do it again. All <laughs> <laughs> right, it is really shit. I should do it again. That's what really strikes a chord in my heart. You know, that I'm getting this sort of directness with complete, all-encompassing, bosomy hugs. It's the perfect union. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, one last question for you before we go. Now, Natalie. You have obviously been the receiving end of this
1: letter. Are you thinking you might reply to Anna? Ooh. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, I'm quite getting into genuine now. So I definitely will be jotting down some thoughts on how it made me feel. You know what? I find it quite difficult to accept compliments and This has been quite challenging for me, I'm not going to lie. It feels, I can't even put it into words. I feel quite emotionally raw from it. It's difficult because it's almost like, do I deserve such a wonderful, beautiful letter? It feels quite overwhelming.
2: As someone who's had the pleasure of your company for about 40 minutes, I can say already you do deserve it. I mean, it's like you, you just seem like the most incredible friend and support when i thought about this i was like she's the last person i can imagine saying this to
3: she's not going to find it comfortable (laughs) and this is why i have to almost do it because yeah this is where i challenge her
4: when Lisa and I wrote our letters to each other, it felt both of us are not, pe- you know, we're not feeling people. We don't talk yeah. about feelings. 100%. And we both found it like, oh, wow, I need to go and have a drink after this. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's, it's a lie down or a drink. It's one or the other, preferably both, <laughs> I <think. laughs> Lying down drink. Uh, <laughs> if you could
1: say anything to Anna now, what would it be? I think it would be, obviously, thank you. Thank you for taking my criticism. (laughs) Thank you for being open to discussion. Thank you for not walking away.
2: Anna and Natalie, thank you so much for being so honest, like so unbelievably candid.
4: Thank you so much.
2: It's just been the most incredible experience to share your friendship with you. So thank you very much. Mm. Aww, so let's do us Paul.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Wow, <laughs> I am fully blown away and um, still reeling a little bit from that. I think clearly the friendship's lovely, but it really, it really struck me. The thing that struck me the most was when they were talking about feeling safe with somebody. I really relate to Nat in that I probably am the more more of the caretaker. I find it quite easy Mm. to give advice to somebody. I think I do spot when people need a little bit of help and I think I'm quite good at that. To be the other person, to be the person who is vulnerable and breaks down, I find that really, really hard and I think there's a lot of strength in people who can do it and I think clearly that was something that they both found hard and they've managed to overcome because they did it through each other.
2: Yeah, I mean, I know that about you. <laughs> but I know that because I also behave like that. You know, I want people to think I'm together. I want people. So when they're talking about actually there is strength and vulnerability, it's so true. And yet we are all brought up to be this kind of, I guess it's very British, stiff upper lip-esque theory so we try and mask our feelings so often I think that climate is changing a bit one of the things that really struck me is what happens to relationships when you allow the other person to help you Mm -hmm. yeah and when you expose your vulnerability how someone else can be there for you because you're very good at as you say
4: at being there for other people but people want to help you too like that's being a friend I know honestly even talking about it makes me feel funny I don't even particularly like people when they help me practically. I find it really uncomfortable. (laughs) I know that sounds... But the idea of that... But like you say, people want to help you. People want to be that person for you. You're and, allowing someone to yeah. be your friend, you know, because actually, I guess
2: it's the whole friend and need expression, isn't it? You know, it's not entirely selfless. You want to help someone because it makes you feel good. Yeah. You're helping this person you love. Yeah. You want to be there for someone else. And I think that so often isn't the case or it's weighed in one mm. direction or the other. Or we all just put on a brave face and you're fun times person. Yeah, There are some absolute truths in their whole friendship but when it boils down to it just being yourself exposing the real you changes everything it does (sighs) (laughs) i'm gonna be crying
4: to you all night i've literally got a box of tissues ready for you alex (laughs) yeah thanks again to the brilliant anna whitehouse aka mother pucker for writing such a powerful letter Anna's gripping new novel, Underbelly, is out on the 5th of August. You can follow Nat on her Instagram account, stylemesunday. Anna's letter talks of her experience with postnatal depression, something which affects 10 to 20% of new mums. If you think you may be experiencing it, tommys.org can offer help and advice.
2: If you've been inspired to write a love letter to your friend, and we hope you do because we're on a mission to reclaim love letters for the most important relationships in our lives, We want to read and hear yours. Hop over to our Love Letter to My Friend account on Instagram and DM us your letters and voice notes and we'll put our favourites in a future
4: episode. We'd like to ask you a friendly favour too. If you rate and review this podcast, it will really help us reach more people. And please don't forget to subscribe so you can hear more friends share their love letters. Thanks so much for listening, friends. This series is created by hosts and friends Lisa Smisarski and Alex Walker and is an I.I. student.